I got it. Thank you. <laughs> I had one sitting out. In the anyway, uh, I can remember vividly one of the times I learned really well that you can't control your children or make them do what you want them to do. Just one, one of the many, but this was early on. So my son Eric, my oldest, was 15 or 16 months old, and one of his godparents is my best friend from seminary, Becca. And Becca loves babies, and we were going to meet her at Holden Village and have a winter retreat. Becca lives in Washington, D.C., so this was going to be her big chance to get to know her little godson and have lots of snuggles and fun times. And of course, we got to Holden, and it was just beautiful. He loved the snow and getting to be with mom all day, every day. But Becca, well, that kid basically spoke his first sentence that week. And do you know what it was? I don't like Becca. <laughs> oh, sorry. Eric said I could tell this story. Here he is. <laughs> he said it over and over and over again. Every time she would try to pick him up, I don't like Becca. I was very, very bummed out. And in true seminarian fashion, Becca quoted Jesus in Matthew. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus spoke those words not long before he went to the cross, and it's called his lament for Jerusalem. We also call it Becca's lament for Eric. These Lent Wednesdays, we're going to be talking about how we live in the shadow of that cross and how living there gives us hope when everything seems utterly hopeless. And tonight is the theme of those dreams that all of us have had that have not come true. Like the dream I had about Holden Village. But many of our dreams are a lot bigger than those. There's the dreams you had as a kid. Well, I'm going to be a professional baseball player or gymnast. And then you get older and you realize, yeah, that's not going to happen. There's dreams that you were always going to take a big trip and you never got to. Or apply for a job and you would never got it or you didn't even apply for it. There's the girl you never asked out but never forgot. The parent you never forgave or were forgiven by who is now gone. Maybe it's middle-aged but it seems like lost dreams are becoming more and more common. And learning to let go and forgive yourself and others can be one of the most difficult things in life. And for a lot of people, it's almost impossible. When Jesus laments for Jerusalem, he is so sad that his own people could not see how much he loved them. God had sent judges, kings, prophets, and now finally in these last days he had sent his son, but we are stubborn people, and we did not listen to a one of them. Jesus wished he could gather us, his chicks, under his wings like a mother hen and say, it's okay, I'm here, I love you, I have such good things in store for you. But we wouldn't hear it. 
When Pilate asked what we wanted to do with Jesus, we joined the crowd in yelling, crucify him. Or, we don't like Jesus. It's brutally sad, but brutally true. Well, many of you maybe got excited about the musical Hamilton these past few years. It's a great, wonderful musical about our founding fathers and The song, Dear Theodosia, is one of the more moving songs, I think, in the musical. Hamilton tells the story of our founding father, Alexander Hamilton, but it is as much, if not more, about Aaron Burr, the man who shot him. This song, Dear Theodosia, is sung by the two of them when they each have their first child. Burr's is Theodosia, named after her mother, and Hamilton's is Philip. Let's listen to the song. Yeah. 
We'll make the world safe and sound for you. We'll come of age with our young nation. We'll bleed and fight for you. We'll make it right for you. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you. We'll give the world to you, and you'll blow us all away someday. I bet you've prayed similar prayers like that for your children or your grandchildren, for maybe our country, our county, for your future, for your work, for your health. Well, Philip, Hamilton's son, died in a duel. And Aaron Burr's only child, Theodosia, was lost at sea at the age of 29. They said they would make the world safe and sound for them, but they couldn't. And it's so hard knowing that we can't either. We can wish all we want the world was safe and sound, but it's not. Oh, Jerusalem. It can be such a crisis of faith when these bad things happen. And yet, has the world ever been a world where bad things did not happen? It's part of life. We get sick. Relationships end. We lose jobs. Every one of us will die. So when this is our hopeless reality, how do we have hope? Well, one of the most powerful things, I think, is to trust in the power of forgiveness. I love the definition of forgiveness that says forgiveness is letting go of the notion that the past could have been any different than it was. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is letting go of the belief that the past could have been any different than it was. When we think about our lost dreams, the guilt can be overbearing. If only I would have said this or done that. If only I would have not said that or not done this. When I start to go there, I find all I can do is cling to Christ and tell myself, I am dead to my sin. We have all died already, right? In the waters of our baptism, we died to our old lives and were raised to new ones, to the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. In Christ, we've died, we've been risen, and we will be risen again. This is what God does all the time, all through the Bible, again and again, where there's death, God loves giving us new life. When Jesus was lamenting in Jerusalem, he was on his way to the cross where he was going to change our story, enable us to live in his forgiveness, conquer death, die in our place, tie our lives together with his forever. It didn't mean there wouldn't still be this messy middle time we live in. But it's easier to endure the messy middle when we know in the end God will bring us life, will give hope to our hopeless lives. When my kids were baptized, they each got a faith chest. We had this man at our church that loved to find the worst-looking wood he could find, thrown away or old growth or whatever, and he would shine it up 
make it look brand new, and then write a little note for each kid who got one about how this was a metaphor for what happened to them in their baptism. It's a place to put their baptism certificates, maybe special letters from loved ones, mementos of faith. Some of you had hope chests, maybe a little similar. Well, I have a faith chest too, and mine's up. Joe made me an extra large one. <laughs> and if you take a look at it, you're welcome to go and take a look at it. There's holes all over it from bugs who ate through the wood. But Joe shined this thing up, and inside of it, I keep things to remind me that I know the end of the story. And it helps me to take those things out and hold on to them, cling to them, remember the hope that we live in when we live in the shadow of the cross. Even though there are no guarantees, there was no guarantee that just because Eric and Becca met in the wonderful Holden village that they would snuggle and bond and become best friends. Burr and Hamilton's prayers for their children were not answered how they thought. There are no guarantees about anything, are there? or for any of your hopes and your dreams, except for one. You know, uh, Becca prays for Eric every day. She loves him and will be with him, whether he knows it or not, to the end of his life, and that's God's promise to us, too. God promises that to the end of our stories, he will walk with us through whatever ever messy middle we need to go through, through all the highs, all the lows, giving us hope, teaching us forgiveness, bringing life from death. That's God's gift for you. Amen. darkness. 